Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a It's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Oh, this is one is so funny. You wouldn't have even heard this yet because it's in our old email address that you don't know how to access. Fantastic. <laughs> okay. All right. So, Bush Stories Continued is the email subject line. Wait, I'm going to sneeze. Are you going to? I don't know. I thought I was. <laughs> oh. I think I'm, I'm literally getting going to get sick. I'm like all sneezy because I jumped in the ocean yesterday, which is fucked. That's so insane. The middle of winter. In the middle of winter in England. Yeah, but I went to the I went to the seaside and was like went to the seaside and lost my mind and just dove in. Mm. We were walking along because I I was like I'm not bringing togs because that's insane. And we were walking along like there's this um so we went to Margate which is this beautiful little British seaside town like an hour and a half away and there's a tidal pool similar to the Bondi Beach one. You know, okay. the Bondi pool. Icebergs. Yeah. Um, but it's more in the water. So it's literally, I'll show you. You just, um, I'll show you. This? So this is the ocean and this is oh, the pool. Oh, wow. Yeah. So instead of having to wade into the ocean, you can walk along this thing and then just jump into the pool. So we were walking along it and then um, and then fully just, just stripped down. Stripped down, no towel. In undies and bra and jumped into the cold, fucking freezing cold water and then got out and just got dressed again. And I was like, towels are actually unnecessary. It was fine. Yeah. And then went for a two-hour walk so I can wet. dry off. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, so I'm getting sick as well. So there's probably going to be a bit of sneezing this yep. Um, All right. Bus stories. Bus stories. Bus stories. <laughs> Bus story time. So when we went to New Zealand's first – she's – she said hello, Rara. So when we went to New Zealand's first lockdown, I moved back in with my mum. 
During the level four stage, a guy I was casually sleeping with and I were getting very toey waiting for levels to drop so we could see each other. But as you can imagine, like horny young adults, we decided to sneak in a cheeky sleepover. I waited until my mum was asleep to sneak out of the house. I unlocked my car with the key in the door instead of with the button, thinking it would be quieter. This, of course, set off my car alarm when I opened the door. (laughs) I got so flustered. This had never happened to me, so I didn't know what to do. Eventually, I clicked the button on my keys, which turned it off just as I heard the handle of the front door twist. I leapt behind the side of the house as my mum opened the door and looked around outside. Eventually, she went back in, but I was stood absolutely frozen throughout this time, terrified she'd come around the side of the house and see me. Side note, my mum works in health and safety, and I thought she definitely would not have approved of me sneaking off to see someone in level four lockdown just for a bus. I waited and then got into my car and without turning it on, rolled down the driveway. (laughs) (laughs) She's like James Bond. With a seat back. (laughs) (laughs) Laying horizontally in the car. Rolled down the driveway. Turned it on when I got onto the street and drove to this guy's house. <laughs> rah, rah, rah. She's like saying, she's giving more context about um, how she definitely shouldn't be seeing this guy because they work together and they he lives with other people they work with. So she had to be super, super sneaky. Fun. Um, and at this point, yeah, I'm so hot. Yeah. <laughs> this is why you guys want to bust so badly. Yeah. At this point, she has to, where am I? I'm just skimming this. Yeah, so I got there, parked on the street, snuck up to the house. He let me in the front door, but I had to sneak right past one of the boys who was sitting and playing PlayStation. And when I mean right past, I mean he could have reached out and touched me. Anyway, got into bed, had a bus, left the next morning to find my car had been broken into. <laughs> he had phones, wallet, and everything else in my car all stolen and three windows smashed. That's so unnecessary from the thief. I know. I drove home early and tried to sneak back into my old room only to find my mum in the kitchen. I lied and told her I'd been for a run. But the wily little devil knew the whole time I was lying. She'd been watching out the window as I reversed out of the driveway the night before with my engine off and decided I must be off for a bus. But she just wanted to see what story I could think of to cover up my tracks. That's so, yeah, amazing. Two learnings from this. Mum gets it when you got a bus, you got a bus. Two, is a bus worth getting your car broken into and the admin involved in insurance and replacing an entire wallet as well as the anxiety that you could have potentially ruined the remainder of work? Um, probably not. I'm just paraphrasing because she's saying specific that's great that's a contender for top stories how good is that but it's just her storytelling it's her storytelling the image of the silent car (laughs) silently rolling down a hill and like mum watching out the window is um very compelling yeah and this is um a london bus story Uh another one this is to our emails I'm, i'm obsessed with getting bus emails yeah, because I think a lot of them can't be contained in an Instagram in DM. DM. Yeah, yeah. they're both very long, these. Okay, another one, London bus story. Since this seems to be the shit bus stories hotline, I have a pearler for you. This is also the reason why I have a blanket ban on allowing myself dating traders in London. I think that means like a bank. Banker. Banker. Yeah. So, story goes, last October I'd broken up with my boyfriend of nearly a year and was on a bender, both a booze and a fuckboy bus bender. I agreed to this 5pm date with this guy... He's a trader, proper posh English boy, blah, blah, blah. Bearing to this date, he's handsome and charming, but very full on. I cotton on that it's more than just his personality. Turns out old mate is a couple of lines deep on our first date. I question on this, him on this and he says, I'm a trader, as if he's on the Wolf of Wall Street. Then he asks if I want to go to the bathroom for lines with him, which I declined. Don't judge the rest of this as in a bad way. I agree to go home with him. <laughs> As I pick up my bag to leave, I rip the arse of my jeans from the bottom of my zip. 
the belt loop on the back up the entire ass seam. We go back to his house, which ends up being the family home he shares with his father. His dad is on the couch watching TV. I sit down next to him while my dad goes off to make a snack. His dad is possibly the nicest guy I've met and looks like a jolly wee North London centre. By the time the dad gets back in the living room, I'm asleep on the couch next to the dad who's telling me a story. <laughs> anyway, being to the guy the next morning was absolutely shit. But before the two-hour tube ride home, his sweet dad made me a snack for the trip. I ghosted him and we all lived happily ever after. That's such a nice story. She should go out be, with the dad. I would be really um, freaked out if I went home with a guy and his parents were like awake. Oh, 100%. I would be really upset. Yeah, I keep joking about, um, you know how everyone lives on the, people live on the canals in those houseboats? Yeah. Imagine if you went home with a guy. Please can someone send in if they've ever been taken home by a guy to a houseboat? Because that would be so, so funny. I don't know what I would do. I'd leave. I would have to leave. I just, I can't be here. Honestly, it would depend. (laughs) It would. That could be interesting. Hot pirate vibes. Hot pirate vibes or um, kind of artistic, artistic, tortured soul, trying to make things work on a barge vibes. There's a world in which it um, works. There's a a certain aesthetic. There is. The houseboaters. Yeah, it would have to buck the tradition. Yes. I'm just thinking that what we imagine a houseboat owner to be is not someone we would have enjoyed a date with up until the point we'd agree to go home. So there'd have to be some reason, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know? Yes. Um, So, Grace, it's your birthday this weekend. Well, actually, in in two days' time when this episode comes out, it's your birthday. When this episode comes out, it's going to be my birthday. I don't normally care for birthdays. But because there's so little to look forward to right now, <laughs> this yeah. Year. Um, and you had your first quarantine breakdown, which I feel is kind of to do with the birthday. I don't know if it is. I maybe it is. Maybe it's not a coincidence. I had a big quarantine breakdown on Saturday. Um, I think I was just. I think. I think. I think. <laughs> I think I've always felt like me being on my own for long periods of time is what I really wanted because I'm quite introverted and I find being out and about with people all the time quite exhausting, even though I do like it. And I think because we had such intensive jobs for so long that was so social, I really craved being by myself for ages. And now because of quarantine, because London's back in tier two, so we can't really hang out. You can't hang out with people you don't live with and stuff. Um, I was by myself pretty much all week And I think it just made me miserable Mm. being by myself all the time. And I saw a thing on Pinterest that said that overthinking always leads to sadness. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, yes, it does. Yeah, I mean, just think less. (laughs) Yeah. And I was just reading a lot and doing a lot and thinking a lot. And then I just got too intensely in my own little pea brain and I just needed a release. And I just thought, it's just sad. This whole thing is just sad. I need to be in a more chipper mood because when everyone's listening to this, Melbourne's coming out of lockdown. Yeah. So everyone will be excited. I know. But I just, it's this, it's a a good thing to say because I think that it's must have been really, 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 really tough going on all the people in Melbourne. And I think unless you were there experiencing it, it, it's very hard to empathize with. I know. I've seen everyone crying on Instagram. Yeah. All our friends. It would be horrendous. And it's just that thing. I don't know. I feel like. I haven't really thought that hard about how crazy this year is because we're just trying to respond as it happens. Mm. 
And I just was like, this is really fucked. It's so fucked. I can't see my family for ages. It's so fucked that we can't travel at all. It's so fucked. It's like really hard to see each other. It's just, mm. yeah. Do you want me to put you in a bit of mood? So I've just remembered another um, bus story. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But it's a non-bus story. And it's okay. so funny. My friend told me this last week. I'm out at dinner, but I'm like kind of, I want to tell you, but I feel like he'll tell you in such a funnier way. But I think it deserves to be on the podcast. Okay. But then I was also kind of drunk, so I feel like I'm not going to tell it right. We'll, but We'll try it. We'll try. <laughs> okay. So back when like Tinder first was around, he was had been talking to this girl on Tinder and they were getting along and rah, rah, and they tried to meet up a couple of times and it hadn't happened. And she was a babe. And then one night, I think he was quite drunk and they were texting and he was like, oh, we'll just come to my house. And so she came around and they'd never met and she got there and they were hanging out. She was being a bit, she was just a bit weird, weird energy. And they were hanging out and then um, kind of just, you know, drinking or whatever. And, you know, when you're just lying around and you're sort of prepping for a kiss. And he said he kept trying to go in to kiss her and she kept like pulling away. (laughs) And he was like, I don't know what's happening. Um, Why are you at my house? And (laughs) And then eventually they were rolling around on the floor for some reason. And then eventually... (laughs) Anyway, and then eventually she goes, "You can kiss me now." And he's like, "All right." And he leaned in to kiss her, and as he kissed her, she went completely limp, like completely limp, like a dead body, like a corpse. What? Yeah. And so then he pulled back. I was like, "What the fuck is going on?" And then he's like, "Cut to like 15 minutes later, and they're up in his room, and they and and she starts." reading testimonials of necrophiliacs <gasps> out to him and wanking. What's a testimonial of it? <laughs> yeah. Like people talking about what it was like when they had sex yeah. with their bodies. Yeah. She had a necrophilia. Yeah. So that's fetish. why she was acting like she a was corpse. pretending like she was a corpse. <laughs> this is his first ever Tinder date ever. And this he was like, um, literally the worst thing I've ever the heard. Fuck? And then, um, <laughs> And then so he's like, I don't know how to. And then she goes, oh, we can have sex now. And he's like, absolutely not. So Absolutely not. So um, tried to kick her out of the house and she just wouldn't get the um, idea. So it had to be like, my ex-girlfriend's coming around in the morning. You have to leave. And then she left. That's so it's, insane. Yeah. That's so funny. Imagine that being your first ever Tinder date. Yeah, you just wouldn't go on anymore, would you? No, you're scarred for life. Necrophilia testimonies. I know, and then I forgot what I forgot what she was reading out and wanking to. So I texted him the next day, and I was like, "What was it? What she was reading out?" Christian. Yeah, I was like, she was reading poems, eh? And he goes, and he just texted testimonials of necrophiliacs. That's all he said. That's that's the craziest story I've ever heard. Hmm. I can't believe it. I'll get him to retell it to you because it'll be funnier. More detail. Yeah, because I've forgotten everything. <laughs> yeah, that has perked me up. Sorry, I know I sounded depressed before, but I'm not. I've just been thinking, just having some thoughts. I think women are very, um, what's the word? We put like a lot of thing on birthdays mm. as a rule in a way that men don't, I think. So I'm, think- I'm like thinking about my life and whatever. Yeah, I know. I was the same. I think once you go from, I think I felt good about birthdays until I got to 27. So yeah. it was, what, how old are you turning? 27. Yeah, yeah, you're fucked. 27 is the worst birthday. Is it? I yeah. feel, I feel like, I, I like getting older. Yeah. I've had a, a brainwave this year where I'm no longer fearing getting older. I think getting older is awesome. 
Um, so I'm not scared about getting older. I'm just, I'm just, yeah, I don't know. Just thinking deeply. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's when you get older and you're thinking about all the stuff that you thought you would achieve or all the things you want to achieve and all these weird, um, these weird. Yeah. It's strange. Hey, because I feel like I've, I've achieved things I never thought I would achieve or wanted to achieve. And like none of the things that I thought I wanted to achieve. Yeah. And wanted to achieve. Yeah. But the things that people aspire to achieve, like, you wouldn't really do before you were 27. This is the, the dumb thing in our culture. Mm, I know. You need to be old. Like, the average age that someone writes their first novel is 36. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Because you need to be old and have experience to write a compelling book, for example. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know why 27 got me down. 28 got me where the fuck was i for my 28th birthday 29 we were in the london edition remember yeah that little hotel party. where were we the year before uh i sydney sydney was that right uh, before coachella i think maybe oh huh, no, no coachella idea. was two years before oh god i don't know wait did we do a birthday slash going away for you and we did a camp theme. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that also yeah, your yeah. birthday? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, we had the camp-themed party. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. That was camp a fun themed night. pizza party. That was a naughty night, actually. <laughs> I know. We had <laughs> such a big home night. at, like, nine in the morning. <laughs> yeah. In a fucking beret. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. Crazy. Um, but, yeah, I'm excited for... I mean, I was going to throw a Zoom party for my birthday, but... I was thinking about the logistics for more than two seconds, and I was like, it doesn't work. Well, time zone-wise. Time zone-wise plus just logistics-wise. How would 30 to 40 people's screens, you'd be like, shut up, who's talking? Yeah. you can't talk to each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't go off into a corner and talk to someone. It would be awful. Yeah. My friend, yeah, I've been to a couple. They're kind of fine. It's just everyone just talks all over each other. Yeah. It's only fine if everyone can drink, but if we're drinking here in London, everyone in Sydney is sober. (laughs) Yeah, which is fine for us. So crazy. So I have I have an, a recommendation and a non-recommendation. Mm-hmm. First one is I saw Sofia Coppola's new movie last night and it sucks. Which, I thought it was going to suck when you were on the phone to me telling me you were going to go see it. I, I could tell by the lack of excitement around mm. it that it was not going to be good. But it was it was quite bad. I really like her. Um, it was literally a Cartier ad. It was crazy. Really? There was this whole storyline. And she's a Cartier mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. Um, she thinks her husband's cheating on her and her dad's played by Bill Murray. It's Rashida Jones. He does play by Bill Murray and he's a philanderer. So he's saying, yeah, your husband is cheating on you. And they go on a mission to find out if he's cheating on her. And the whole thing is that he saw the husband at Cartier um, before her birthday, but then he didn't give her a Cartier mm. present for her birthday. Like love actually. Like love actually. And then the last scene in the movie is him being like, sorry, your birthday present took so long. And then he gives her a Cartier watch. And I was like, this is awful <laughs> so bad um and then my recommendation is i watched borat too oh and it was really funny was it yeah um i love sasha baron cohen i really I like do. i didn't um i don't think i ever got into borat i can't really remember i think at the time it wasn't i, th- I think i need to rewatch it i've only seen it when i was like a kid i saw it when i was a kid at the movies and we were what we were young, 12 yeah, or 13, yeah. and thinking it was just crazy because they were swearing and showing dick and stuff. <laughs> but he just does – he does these stupid pranks, but they're on real people. 
in America and he gets them to do the craziest shit. There's a thing where he's dressed up at a kind of pro-Trump, pro-gun, anti-COVID rally. Oh, that's right. I forgot what war it was. Yeah. Yeah. And he... Um, he gets all the people in his crowd to sing, we hate journalists, chop them up like the Saudis. And this whole crowd is like, we hate ju-. It's like, it's crazy. It's all these rednecks actually singing kill journalists. It's insane. Mm. And this actress who plays his daughter is Bulgarian. And she's amazing. She's like the best part of the movie. She's 25, but she's playing a 15 year old. And she interviews Rudy Giuliani, who's Trump's lawyer and just this disgusting man. And he fully – there's footage in the thing of her going into a hotel with room, a hotel room with him afterwards and she's taking his mic off and then he, like, puts his hand down his pants and starts playing with his penis. Well, he says he wasn't, but he obviously was. Oh, my God. And they were meant to be letting that scene run longer, but Sasha Baron Cohen literally got freaked out for the actress's safety, so he burst into the room and, like, got her out. Jesus. It's crazy. Yeah, it's really intense. Holy shit. I know. Okay. Um, I have two recommendations. One is that I rewatched Cruel Intentions <laughs> and it's very good. <laughs> I haven't seen that in years. Yeah. The kissing scene in that was a sexual awakening for me. I know. As, a, I know, as, yeah. as it was many other women, I'm sure. Yeah. I was, was like, oh. I know. It's still hot. It's <laughs> yeah, still so hot. hot. Um, and then also back on the skincare bullshit. Um, I am absolutely obsessed. And I know you are too with this new, um, so we love ultra, we always wear ultraviolet sunscreen. It's like our favorite. Yeah. It's been our favorite for ages. Brand since it like launched. Yeah. Um, as is like every, um, as is every beauty editor in Sydney, but we, they have released a new sunblock, which is called lean screen. And it's basically, it's like, it basically it's, SPF 50 and it's mineral and it's zinc only, which means that it's really good for oily skin and sensitive skin because my skin's quite sensitive. Um, and it doesn't have any shine at all. So you put it on and it has this subtle matte finish. And I mean, ultraviolet's already really thin when you put it on anyway. It's like a serum. The it's whole, like a serum, the whole yeah. thing, the whole reason ultraviolet took off was because it packaged sunscreen like skincare so it feels like you're putting on a serum when you yeah. put it on so you put on your serum in the morning then your moisturizer then your ultraviolet and it doesn't feel like you're putting on anything but for some reason i really i just really really like this one the texture of this one it's so nice it's good as well because in the uk it's um always overcast so you never feel like you need to put sunscreen on but then ava like full disclosure ava who runs ultraviolet is our friend <laughs> but yeah, we, yeah yeah but she was uh, we i used it before i even yeah met her. we used it before we even met her we interviewed her for our dinner party series which is why you might remember her name mm. and she um she told us that if everyone had been putting on sunscreen every day from the age of 15 we would all look 10 years younger i know that's why i told my sister i actually yeah. gave her some ultraviolet my little sister's 19 I said to her, put this on every single morning mm-hmm. and your skin will look 10 years. I just wish I had someone to tell me that when I was younger, but I feel like I just wouldn't have listened anyway. So anyway, I know. And she listened to me completely. She just laps ever up everything I say and she's been putting on sunblock every single morning. This is why she's going to be a doctor. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, she's also studying medicine and doesn't drink. Haggard podcasters. <laughs> Haggard disgusting podcasters. Who need Botox. <laughs> Filler. Um, two great recommendations. Mm. I second both. I want to rewatch Cruel Intentions. Mm. Um, should we talk about Phil Collins' wife? 
Yeah, this is a great story. Okay, so I was listening to Who Weekly the other day and they were talking about Phil Collins randomly, also Emily in Paris, Lily Collins' dad. Yeah. Um, and the timing of this story is so perfect because no one would care about what was happening to Phil Collins if Lily Collins wasn't the it, girl of the moment. It's kind I of know. incredible. Um, so basically, okay. So basically, Phil Collins is sixty nine, and his ex wife, his ex wife Orion Chevy, is forty six. They were married for nine years before they broke up in two thousand and eight, but then. They got back together in 2016, and then they've recently split up, and Chevy has married a new guy, but she's refusing to leave Phil Collins' Miami home. Like, she literally just won't get out. And he's like, you have to get out now. You've married another man. Like, we're obviously not getting back together because you have married someone else. And she's like, no, not leaving. She's really digging her heels in. Yeah, so... um, Hold on. So, yeah, so they first met when she was 21 years old and working as his translator during his 1994 tour of Switzerland. Um, well, yeah, when they broke up this summer, Chevy took possession of their Miami home, at which point she and Bates, which is her new husband, allegedly changed the alarm codes, blocked the surveillance cameras, <laughs> barred entry by vendors and the real estate agent, and are threatening implicitly and explicitly to prolong the unlawful occupation of the property through force. <laughs> This article is so funny. <laughs> We're just rereading the cut article. And it says, um, the lawsuit says that Oriane moved into Phil Collins' home as his guest and his girlfriend. But all of that ended when she secretly married another man in Las Vegas days after dumping Phil Collins via text. You can see where, given everything, Phil Collins naturally expected her to move out of his house. <laughs> Instead, she seemingly moved into it more firmly, reportedly hiring gun-toting heavies to patrol the property and changing all the alarm codes, among other measures. Yeah, so she's got armed guards patrolling a house that she doesn't own. It's so (laughs) fucking funny. That's crazy. Yeah, and then basically she's asking for $20 million in exchange for leaving what she calls the family home. Per an affidavit obtained by the Daily Mail. I just want to open this Daily Mail article because the Daily Mail is always um, every the time best I open form of the journalism. Daily Mail, every time I open the Daily Mail, it breaks my computer. Oh, it won't, it won't let me either. I have to go. I, right now, I just opened Safari. What? Because is, it won't, Chrome Daily Mail won't work on Chrome. all the shit that's on yeah, the Daily Mail. Yeah, I just literally opened Safari. Um, okay. I love the Daily Mail so much. So do I. I'm a fan in my later years. Yeah. She claims to have discovered around 20 hidden cameras throughout the home. Oh, yeah. So she's saying that she thinks Phil Collins is spying on her in his home, which, I mean, probably is because he's probably like, what the fuck are you doing there? Yeah. Um, (laughs) Including in her personal bathroom and changing room. The pair of trespassers that have taken over the home with armed guards through a show of force. It's so fucking funny. Imagine being the new husband. And being sweet living in Phil Collins' home while he's trying to get you out. It's so funny. It's such a genuinely insane story. I wonder if there's more to it. I guess she, if, if he'd done anything awful, she would have said by now. Yeah. To I justify this behavior. Think think there's a funny photo on the Daily Mail just of her like chugging on a um, ciggy with massive black nails. <laughs> <laughs> I would do that, I think. 
This is, what do you call it? This is karmic retribution for all musicians. Uh, uh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> it's like, you just, just give it a home. Just give it to her. She's probably earned it. She's been with him for years. She's had a kid with him. She's got a kid, that poor child. Surely he's been... When mum surrounds dad's house with armed gun-toting guards, because she won't get it in the custody battle. I know. It's a fantastic story. And then I wonder what Lily Collins thinks of all of this. I was wondering that too, but I read a, I read her cover story in Sunday Time Style last week, and they're not very close. Who's not close? Her and her dad. Really? They were... She wrote a book of essays... Like two years ago, I don't know anything about her, so it was news to me. And there was a excerpt, and it was pretty cringy. <laughs> what was it saying? I'll try and find it. Um, she wrote this book of essays in 2017 called "Unfiltered: No Shame, No Regrets, Just Me." Yuck! I know, so on, so on brand for her. Yeah, I feel yeah. like maybe she's like that Emily in Paris character in real life. Seems a bit like I know. I can't figure her out. I used to think. I think I just used to think she was gorgeous. I think she's just a chipper, overly keen American. Yeah. Similar to Emily in Paris. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she's not super close with him. I think they didn't talk for years after he left her mom and now they've kind mm. of got a relationship. She said, I forgive you for not always being there. Oh, I remember her writing this. Yes. It's coming back to and me. And although it may seem like it's too late, it's not. There's still so much time to move forward. We all make choices. And although I don't excuse some of yours, at the end of the day, we can't rewrite the past. Should we just play Phil Collins in the air tonight? Yes. Justice for Phil. He's being attacked on all angles. (laughs) (laughs) We want to hear from Phil. Let's get him on the podcast. Let's get Phil Collins on the podcast. Consider this an open invitation, Phil. I think uh, the next thing we need to talk about, I can't believe it's been this far through the episode and we haven't yet. Dominic West. Yes. Crazy. Again, like just... Dominic West is rumoured to be playing Prince Charles in the last two seasons of of the crown i don't even without our our recent news revelations revelations about him i don't think that's a very good choice i think given the recent revelations it makes it a good choice yeah because maybe this was his last ditch attempt to get maybe this was his last ditch attempt to get hired as prince charles he created a, a real big life scandal charles for a life scandal. prince charles and highlight to everyone that you live in a castle Mm. He yeah, and it's his poor wife Catherine's just like Princess Diana. <laughs> Bit of a stretch. <laughs> being cheated on. I know. While but... she's at home being this lovely woman. So Elizabeth Debicki's gonna be Diana. Yeah, that's a fun that's I forgot about that. That's funny. I feel like she's a good Diana, but it doesn't suit it doesn't suit Dominic West. Dominic West. They seem like different chapters. Yes. Of the she's, crown she's, saga to me. No, wait. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. he's in his 50s. She's in her early 30s. Yeah, she's young. I know that Princess Diana was younger than Prince Charles, but that still seems too much of a gap for me. That doesn't, it doesn't chart. Mm. I think he's just put this out. I think he auditioned and his press people are taking advantage of the situation by leaking stories. No. Yes. Him on that fucking lime scooter, as if. You no, know. no, 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 no. I think he's auditioning for the... Crown. Oh, and the scandals yeah, happened, yeah, yeah, yeah. and now his people are taking yeah. advantage of the scandal yes. to push the narrative that he's going to be Charles to pressure the Crown people. It would be really great and embarrassing for him if they just said no. Agree, and he deserves for them to say no. I'm very excited for the next Crown to come out. I'm really excited too. I love that show. 
I love and I'm it. very excited that now we're finally at Princess Diana, my favorite woman. I feel sorry for Emma Corrin because she's only in this one season. Oh uh, yeah, which is which kind of sucks. Mm. She seems incredible, Emma Corrin. Mm. I watched an interview with her for Variety where she was showing how she learnt the accent, and it's really spot on. Yeah. And I love the actor who plays Prince Charles. What about how Kristen Stewart's going to play Princess Diana in a film? It's Izzy's worst news in years. It's my worst nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like her. I don't mind her as a person. I actually randomly met her in LA. Did I say that on the podcast? No. I met her in LA and we like, uh, um, I was out with your best friend. Have I talked about this on the podcast? No. No, I don't think so. Oh, anyway, I was out with Grace's best friend. It was a Sunday night and we were drinking. Yeah, me and Fades were drinking in LA at my favorite French bistro. And then Fades wanted to carry on. She wanted to keep it going and I was so hungover, but I was like, okay, let's do it. So I called one of my friends and um, (laughs) she was at a bar in Los Feliz, um, which we went to and she was with um, Kristen Stewart randomly. So I've met her and she was, she, she was just as awkward and shy and introverted as she seems, you know how in interviews she seems kind of standoffish, but you can tell she's just awkward. Yeah. So that's what she was like in real life, but she kept being really chatty and cute and trying to make conversation. Mm. But she just seemed super awkward and she kept looking at the ground when she talked. And yeah, so I liked her girl. more after meeting her. But that does not mean she should be cast in films. She's such a bad actress. <laughs> I stand by it. She is. She's a bad actress. I think she's... I, I don't think she's a bad actress. I think she's often miscast. She literally did an interview being like, acting gets harder the older you get i was like yeah because you have to be fucking good at it <laughs> she got cast in twilight because that's her literal personality that's her character she was great at into the wild i don't think i can't think of what I else i've seen, seen her in recently and that maybe came out like a decade ago but um yeah i don't i don't see the, the princess diana connection personally i think elizabeth debicki will be great yeah she'll be good she's such a good actress mm. i've interviewed her before she's lovely yeah i've interviewed her too she's so nice she's very tall she's very tall six foot <laughs> actors are usually two. so short yeah it's a surprising thing about so actors short. is they're little yeah yeah but she's tall hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Um, so extending on from Dominic West, Lily James has very unfortunately for her been rocked by another marital <laughs> scandal. God bless her soul. We, get, we, keep, getting her in, we get, keep getting in trouble for, um, did you see that? We had a few people having a go at us for, um, 
the negative negative feedbacks coming in from all angles on our Facebook page. We're not having a go at us, but like being yeah, basically having a go at us and saying how can you feel sorry for Lily James? She knew what she was getting herself in for sleeping with a married man. They're both to blame. Which I mean, they're both they are both to blame. He's more to blame. She he's, is. She, he's she's much in, more. To she's blame. in. She's in the wrong. But also, you can see how these situations happen. And I honestly think that Lily James was with Matt Smith. For so long, she hasn't had a chance to have her slutty era. She's been with Matt Smith the whole time that she's been famous. They've broken up. She's starring alongside Dominic West, who by all accounts is a dirtbag who's been like getting with women for his whole bloody life. Mm-hmm. He he butted her up and made her feel special. She does. She hasn't had any experience in realizing that that this is the way these fuckboys are. She doesn't have a fuckboy radar. You have a much better one than me. Yeah. I could, st- I could oh, see Army myself. Hammer. Okay, so the latest rumour is that... Um, so in, Lily James and Army Hammer are in a new Netflix adaptation of Rebecca, which we were both going to watch, but it got absolutely panned. I didn't want to watch it. So we didn't watch it. But the original is really good. Hmm. From the 1940s. Very modern reference. Um, she... Now the rumours are coming out because the, Army Hammer and his wife divorced very soon after Lily James and Army Hammer... Filmed Rebecca together, and then a Daily Mail article came out yesterday, which claimed that from a source close to Army Hammer's wife, which makes us think that it was Army Hammer's wife. Army Hammer's wife <laughs> <laughs> has said that they the reason they split up was because just after he finished filming Rebecca, she found a whole string of steamy texts from someone who was saved in his phone as Adeline, and then it came out that Adeline was Lily James's code name on all of the call sheets. For Rebecca. Be more secretive. Be more discreet. Treat, choose any other name. Like Delete any other messages. name. Just choose a different name. Yeah. Emily. Um, so it, according to the source, Army has not been overly faithful in his marriage. I think the quote was, this is very much like him. Apparently during gaps in filming, he would stay in the English countryside with Lily James and not return to his family who were in London, who'd flown over to London to be near him while he was filming. Okay. I just feel... Wait, no. The fun- the funniest part. The funniest part. What's the funniest part? Is that then... She- so she found the text oh. from Adeline. <laughs> You're missing a big, 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 big yes, part I of the story. Um, so whacking your mind. Um, and then... <laughs> <laughs> So then she decides to give it another go and then Army Hammer goes away and accidentally sends a sext to his wife that was meant for someone else. So he literally sexts his wife a text that was supposed to go to Adeline or whoever else he was bossing. Someone else. So they got back, they went through a rocky phase, went to marriage counselling, <laughs> were going to get back together, went to the Cayman Islands to quarantine over there. Because that's where Army Hammer's dad lives. Army couldn't hack it. Boosted out to Miami. Gets to Miami and sends a dirty sext he was meant to send to whoever he was hooking up with in Miami. To his wife. And then that was the last story. Now they're divorced. What did the sext say? I'm surprised they didn't fucking reveal it. They revealed every single thing about this marriage breakdown. I would love to know. Um, I don't... Yeah, I backlash... Aside, I feel really sorry for Lily James. I don't think we should allow Lily James to become a public punching bag. I don't think it's a very nice especially thing to when, do. Especially when these two men are the married ones and these two men both, both. are rumoured to be 
slanderers and do, sleeping with anyone they can sleep with. They and they are. What's that um, movie that Jude Law's in where he just hooks up with everyone? Archie or something. Alfie. Alfie. Yeah. Alfie. And on Cruel Intentions, I was looking, watching Ryan Phillippe hook up with everyone last night. I they thought... know their ways. They have their ways. Yeah, I just think that I don't. I don't know. I just I personally don't have the moral argument that you shouldn't get oh, together with someone that's I don't really yeah. follow that I think oh. it's all entirely on the person that's in a relationship oh I do I wouldn't get with someone who was married I like, honestly wouldn't not not even I if... mean I feel like I wouldn't either yeah but I, I if, but if, now, if I knew now... someone that did I wouldn't be like oh what are you what are you doing like I wouldn't be like mad at them I just think I don't yeah know. I think it depends I don't know yeah. I had I actually had a girl so my one of my friends was at my house in Sydney she was over from Auckland and she asked if one of her friends could come around um, for dinner because they wanted to catch up or whatever. And this girl came around for dinner and she had been sleeping with her married boss and knew mm-hmm. he was married, knew he had kids. He was and had been sleeping with him the whole time and, and sneaking around. And the way she was talking, sitting at my house, I, it, it like actually made me feel sick. And I was mm. with my boyfriend at the time and he left the house and went for a walk because he honestly, both of us were just like, I hate this. This feels disgusting. She was like, she was like showing us the wife. Yeah. That's basically gross. being like, yeah. I'm prettier than the wife. I was like, dude, this is fucked up. Like you shouldn't be proud of doing no, this. No, 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 that's horrible. Yeah. I, mean, I Yeah. I, I, I'm thinking of it in the sense of if you're with someone and they're lying to you and telling you that things are Rocky on the rocks yeah, yeah, yeah. or that they I have an open s- arrangement or something and then you're just like okay i'm just gonna take him at his word and i just don't i'm not gonna look too deeply into it because yeah that's, that's not, not my, my problem business. yeah i feel I like get, i get that i i don't know. feel um i i feel as though from this looking at this lily james thing i don't know if we're giving her too much credit but i honestly think of her as being quite naive and sucked in by these older men who have a lot of experience with women and who are telling her a different story and who she's working with in a romantic capacity on films for months at a time i can see how that would happen especially since she's just gotten out of a really long-term relationship well i read the guardian did a big profile on lily james for rebecca which was obviously conducted before all the dominic west stuff happened um, and she refused to give them a statement about it, obviously. She comes across as really, really naive and very yeah. sweet. And I'm yeah. not saying I think it's wrong to act like women aren't autonomous and shouldn't take responsibility for their actions. She is responsible for her actions, but I feel like they're not really the public's business. And I feel like we can't cast a moral judgment on her based on things that are largely rumors and speculation where we have no idea what she's been told i just feel like it's really unfair yeah um yeah justice lily james i just want to give her a hug i feel really sorry for her yeah she'll be having a very 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 hard time right now because okay this is okay i feel like army i don't think that she's blameless but i think people need to understand that army hammer and dominic west are going to be fine and there's now quite a big chance that Lee James won't work again. Yeah. Also, I think Army Hammer's wife released this because of the Dominic West scandal. I think she was holding on to it and not releasing it because she thought 
she was she just didn't want to throw Lily James under the bus. And after this Dominic West thing, she's like, fuck this bitch and released it. <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah. Same. Yeah. You would, you would. You would. You I would. was like, we all like would. think we wouldn't be petty yeah. and yeah. that we'd be really I would sure. be like on the fucking blower to the Daily Mail in one second. In one single second. Yeah. Oh. A source close to the thing. It'd be you. You'd be talking on the phone. I'd be sitting beside you. <laughs> I'd be like, just a second. Izzy, what do you want me to say? <laughs> um, so between last week and this week, Now, actually, we talked a little bit about this in our interview with Liv Little on the weekend, a riddled with tech issues interview. Oh, God, that was horrific. That took me 12 hours to edit. Yeah, it was so, so Liv Little is this amazing, such a fucking clever woman. We've wanted to interview her since we moved to the UK. So when we moved to the UK, we both got really obsessed with Galdem, which is a huge British publication. Um, it's made by um, women and non-binary people of color. Liv launched it when she was 21 years old and now has built it into this big empire. And it's in this um, climate when all these other magazines are failing and shutting. Galdem is thriving. Like she's just done such an incredible job. It's got like, everyone should go to the website. Everyone should follow them on Instagram. They also have a podcast where they interview Michaela Cole and all these ridiculously cool people. We were so we were actually meant to interview Liv back in June, but the the very same week, uh, Black Lives Matter, George Floyd was murdered, and Black Lives Matter went crazy, and Liv was super super busy, um, so it got pushed back to now. So we were super stoked, and then while we were recording, my computer literally blew up. It it literally blew up. It was insane. I don't even know what happened. It made this loud noise, and this is fucking new. It made this, this is a brand spanking new MacBook, and mine's from like 2012. Yeah, and has, um, like a disc, a, a CD-ROM thing. And yeah. It's fine. yeah. So we were recording the whole audio on my computer. My computer blows up. So then, in a in a flustered state, I jump back on the call on my phone on Zoom. <laughs> Obviously, it's not recording anymore because my computer's dead. But I, we didn't realize that for another five minutes until I was like, oh, fuck, this whole thing. Like, right now what you're saying isn't recording and we've probably lost that whole recording. So Liv very graciously uh, gave us another 20 minutes, even though she was, like, rushing out to do two um, panel discussions that day. Yeah, she was doing, like, a lead lecture at the University of Bristol or, like, <laughs> yeah. something else. Yeah. And we, yeah. Um, so then we, she gave us 20 more minutes of our time. But she it's an incredible interview anyway. We've had heaps of people message us about it saying it was great, which – um, we just, I felt like a flustered mess, but yeah. she's just so fucking cool. She's amazing. And we talked to her because we spoke to her right, like hours after the news was announced that Man Repeller was closing. We chatted to her a little bit more about that, I think before we lost the recording, but that's okay. <laughs> she talked, she talked a little bit about it in our interview, but it's just really interesting. I think to talk about this new media climate with new publications i think man repeller is a really specific interesting example so leandra medine who's the founder was kind of ousted in june when there was this massive global race reckoning um she stepped back from day-to-day operations at man repeller because she was accused from because she was accused by current and former employees of kind of fostering a very homogenous white elitist kind of culture around the time of COVID. I think the only one or two editors of color were the kind of only one or two people stood down. Um, and she basically said, I'm going to step away from things. I'm going to let this amazing team build man repeller into what it can be without me involved. And then a 
month after that, she's the owner and she announced to the team that she was pulling the plug and closing the whole thing. Um, citing that the company hadn't weathered the storm financially because of COVID, but then there was some messages shared from current employees saying that they think it was that's not the not case. the case. Yeah, yeah. So there's uh, Dumois shared a bunch of they shared a bunch of screenshots eh, of messages they were getting, basically saying that allegedly Man Repella actually had an investor willing to back them, which. They would. Look at they how would. They're that's, huge. They're yeah. massive. It's it's wild that they wouldn't have that they wouldn't be able to continue. Um, but that Leandro apparently just didn't want it to carry on. To be honest, like I empathize to a certain extent. Um, in Why? the sense that because I feel like if we built AfterworkDrinks.net into a thing that we poured our life and soul into. And then we were ousted. We were ousted. Yeah. Would, but if it was your baby that you'd spent 10 years working on, it came out of your brain, you'd written the book, it was your personal brand that you'd turned into a brand um, that you'd built, you'd personally hired every single staff member, you'd overseen every editorial decision, everything else. And then the expectation was that you just had to step back and have nothing to do with it and you weren't even involved in anything. You were selling it off. I think that would be a difficult decision. I, don't, I personally don't think she made the right decision. I think she should have given... Um, a new generation of editors and writers the opportunity mm. to use that platform. Mm. I think if she was genuinely dedicated to doing the things that she said she was in her apology. Oh, 100%. She should have we done would that. Ne- we, would, but... we would feel upset. We would never shut it down. We'd feel upset, and, yes. and but we would know that it was the right thing to do yeah. to give all these other writers I think it's a the wrong decision, but I do, yeah. under- I do understand why it would be hard for a sure, difficult yeah. decision. Um, but I, yeah, I think it's a shame and I think it's really interesting because when you look at something like Gaudem, the way it's monetized is, is really, really obvious and really, really clever. Um, so Liv talked, for example, about how they don't really rely on like homepage advertising, which I think is a massive mistake that a lot of modern media companies make. They do these big partnerships. So they did a huge partnership with the Guardian and BBC when, I May Destroy You came out and it was a, a zine all about the topic of consent created by a whole bunch of different diverse writers that was handed out as a street press thing in the UK to support the release of I yeah, May Destroy You. It's, so, it's, so cool. it's so cool and it's so clever and it's a piece of advertising, but everyone wants to know about it anyway. Or she was, Liv was also talking about how she did a, Gautam did a partnership with Nike where they realized that the age that most girls stop playing competitive sport is 14 because they're going through puberty and they become self-conscious of their bodies. So they came up with girls only community sports programs all over England Mm. to encourage 14 year old girls to keep playing sports. That's sponsored by Nike. They're making a shitload of money out of it, but it's also an amazing, cool thing to do. I know she's, she's so So clever. clever. I love her so much. But I just think with man repeller, I can't think of a thing. I could, once we started thinking about it, I couldn't think of a single branded partnership thing memorable one that i've seen them do apart from they did a shoe line oh that yeah, was on that's right. yeah, yeah yeah i know i knew that but i'm like what was there i don't remember seeing ads on the home page that's the thing that's the thing about um being really dynamic and just mm-hmm. moving with the times you have to you have to be just always onto it like live just must be so busy all the time thinking of these really cool creative ideas for for stuff, and that's why Galdem's doing so well. They do a they do a annual 
print magazine. Mm -hmm. And it's so fucking cool. I just bought it. Yeah. And that makes sense. Do it annually and make it really Yeah, make it really cool. It's like a book that you'd always refer back to years on. Like you don't need to read it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's really, I think it's really interesting. I think it's, I think it's sad. I don't know if it's sad that Man Repellers closed, considering that it had changed the core of its branding so much. The problem was always it was Man Repeller and Leandra Medine were like interchangeable. Mm. And she probably felt like that, which is why she didn't want to hand it over. And that was probably the argument against why it shouldn't exist. I know. But it's it's a shame to me because it was it, its legacy, I think, is really important. Well, it's, it was around for so long. I was in high school. Yeah, and it was the first. Really, in my mind, it was the first time you saw someone who was known as a blogger create something really respected, like a respected industry-read publication mm. that wasn't just someone faffing around and like wearing clothes outside Fashion Week. It was something very like meaty and respectable and interesting and engaging. And that concept of man repelling was so – it captured that moment so, so well. I still think that will be the whole legacy of like the 2010s style. Yeah. It'll be man repelling. It'll be those fucking crazy collars and like <laughs> – yeah. So we have been told, or I have been told, that people are not as interested in the American election as I am. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to put an optional five-minute insert here. The election is on Tuesday, so by the time we come to you next, there will be a new American president, hopefully. The election will have happened. So me and Zach, my boyfriend Zach, is very, very into politics, very, very into data analysis analytics and we're gonna have a little five minute conversation for those who are interested about the likelihood of donald trump getting re-elected and you can use that to talk to your friends about zach's podcast debut fuck yes two years later and zach gets a slot he gets a little slot and then yeah if you don't listen to it you don't have to and if you want to have a little listen bye bye okay are you ready Hello, Z, and welcome to the podcast. A uh, long-time listener, first-time caller, is First-time that right? caller, yeah. <laughs> you have to not shuffle around, because that's what I do when I record, and Izzy gets angry at So me. I have to sit perfectly still. You have to still. sit still, it's really okay. hard. I'm sitting as still as I can. So, um, we are getting you on the podcast to talk about the election, because we've had feedback that it's not that many people care about my ramblings about it, so we're doing a spin-off, little five to ten-minute segment ahead of the election on tuesday how are you feeling i'm feeling excited obviously very nervous um i think i'm nervous that trump will lose (laughs) i think um (laughs) there's more reason to be excited this time than there was last time i suppose if that makes any sense yeah so you're very deep in the data side of things and we won't get too deep into that and bore people but I think the thing that people are most interested in is whether or not Donald Trump will win Mm re-election can you please tell us what you think will happen so the short answer is probably not and there are a few reasons why that is Um, I'm assuming you're going to ask me what those reasons are 
Um, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. So, in a simple way. Yeah, so in a simple way, uh, there are a few main differences. So the, the big thing that people tend to do is compare this election to 2016. Um, and in many ways, it is somewhat similar. We ha- have a Democrat against Donald Trump, and the Democrat was leading for much of the race. And um, in the last two weeks, that sort of changed. And then we had the, the result, which we've sort of had to live with for the past four years. Uh, but this race is somewhat different. The first one being that uh, the polling for Joe Biden has been consistently better than Hillary Clinton ever had um, across the whole race. Joe Biden is up by around, currently as we're recording, about nine to ten points, which is uh, which is a very large lead. It would make if if that was to happen, it would be one of the biggest victories. Uh, any presidential candidate has had in since after World War Two. It seems like people aren't very um, excited or optimistic about Donald Trump losing, even though all of the data suggests that he's going to lose very badly. Very badly. Very. <laughs> so um, do you think, I think that's because everyone's just so scared from last time that no one wants to get their hopes up until it's happened. And you've heard that echoed by candidate Biden himself has said similar things. Candidate Biden. <laughs> Vice President Biden. He's not here. Can be a bit more informal. Biden. No. Uh, yeah. So there's definitely like 2016 uh, paralysis going on amongst the Democratic base. Um, you know, whether you listen to the news or just talk to your friends or people who are casually interested. Um, the conventional wisdom has shifted from. Hillary's definitely going to win in 2016 to something like an inevitable Trump victory. Um, although the, the the data just does not support that in any way, shape or form. But there's, I think, some, um, I think some people are not trusting of the data because that last time it all seemed to be so obviously pointing that Hillary was going to win by a landslide and then that didn't happen. So people aren't so trusting of it anymore. But you said that things, they've changed the way that they collect data now. Yeah, okay, so I guess we'll, we are going to have to get somewhat technical. But no. I promise it won't be too technical. I promise. So there are a few misconceptions which we need to sort of dispel. Uh, the first one is that national polling. So when you ask the whole country who do you think is going to win or who you're going to vote for, in 2016 was very accurate. The average in the last couple of weeks leading up to the polls was about two points and Hillary ended up winning by about two and a half. So it was pretty close. Um, winning in the... The popular, popular vote, vote. Yeah. yeah. But in the US, that's not what matters. You need to win uh, individual states, and individual states are worth um, a certain number of points, and you need to get to a certain number of points in order to uh, be elected president. And Trump won some states, which uh, by very, very small margins, which meant that he had enough of those points. That's called the electoral So the approach. data wasn't as off as people think it was. So... Th- on average, no. It was off. The only issue was it was off in a few places where it really mattered. Mm-hmm. Um, there were three main reasons. The first one being that um, before 2016, your level of education wasn't really an indicator as to how you were going to vote. That being, What that means is that people who are college educated or didn't have a college degree roughly voted Democratic or Republican equally. Mm-hmm. And what happened in 2016 was that if you had a college degree, you were much more likely to vote Democratic than if you didn't. Um, So that wasn't incorporated in the polling. 
And uh, when we poll people, those with a college degree tend to respond uh, to polls more often than those without. So you tend to oversample Democrats. And they weren't correcting for that difference because they didn't know the difference existed. That's correct. <laughs> I feel like I'm on the daily. That's Find correct. My other dream <laughs> coming true. <laughs> um, the other thing was that... Uh, he... did, people, did people... Is this an urban myth or is it a thing that people kind of either lied or didn't say that they were voting for Donald Trump because they didn't want to say it in public, but they then went behind the scenes and did it. Do you think that affected polling? Do you yeah. loudly like so, admitting to it? Yeah, this so, so-called uh, shy Trump phenomenon. So it's actually based on the fact that here in the UK, where we are now, there is a similar thing amongst uh, the conservative vote in the UK. There's no evidence that a shy Trump phenomenon exists. And uh, the, the reasons why the Republican vote or his vote was underestimated can be due to other things which we, we think and it wasn't due to people not saying they were going to vote for him. Okay, so on in 2016, when Trump was elected, I was at work and you were... Where were you? Miserable at home. At, you were at turns. home. <laughs> and at around 2.30 p.m. Sydney time, you messaged me and said Trump's won. And then I went on the New York Times' thing of all the polling coming in and they'd counted like no states. And I just said, there's no, how could you possibly know? But you were right. And that's because you knew that certain key states were going to be the difference between Trump winning or losing. What is it this year that you're going to be looking for that will be an indicator early on as to who's won? Florida is very important, but it's also a bellwether for how well Biden is going to do. If the Florida comes in, the returns for Florida come in, and Biden has, if he's won the state, then it's completely over. Donald Trump has literally no way of, of no feasible way of winning the election. Um, so Florida is worth looking at, but Florida is a bit weird. Uh, it sort of has a mind of its own. Arizona is a state which has been a classically Republican state that has been trending Democratic for the past eight years or so. If Biden is close in Arizona or if he's won, then he's almost certainly won the election. If he wins Florida, he's almost certainly won the election. Uh, if Florida is within one point, even if Trump is leading, he's probably still won the election, but it, it's harder to say. What is your fear with Donald Trump in terms of, like, obviously, aside from him winning again by a lot, which seems unlikely, are you scared that he's going to be reticent to hand over power? Like, what would that actually look like? The biggest concern, I think, for anyone um, that's observing this election, even if you don't really have a horse in the race, so to speak, is that we have democratic institutions where the the fundamental tenet of it is that we have votes we have these big votes we all vote and um you know the candidate who wins uh, assumes office and the candidate who lost leaves office it's it's how democracy works and we respect the result of the election um there is some concern that if the race is close and because we have an unprecedented amount of male voting which has a lot of different issues attached to it that Donald Trump could uh, have a case to contest uh, ballots in certain states and that could either delay the inevitable, um, which is obviously not great for stability, uh, but also he may have a a potential case um, to uh, stop counting in certain states where he may be ahead uh, and therefore 
I mean, this I'm talking like, you know, I'm sort of spe- speaking my worries out aloud. None of this is particularly clear what could happen. People are just sort of worried after what happened in 2000 and um, know this that he's... This is a worst case scenario. Yeah, situation. it's a worst case scenario. Look, I mean, if, if the polling was to manifest... But it's like, this is the worst case be scenario issue. because it's, it's Donald Trump can't refuse to hand over the presidency. The only way that he'll stay in, in a, a corrupt way is if... A protracted legal battle. Yeah, and, and that would go to the Supreme Court where he's now... Just confirmed a new justice. Conferred, confirmed very Republican-leaning... Yeah, look, I, I, I'm again. I'm not like a legal or constitutional scholar, or so I don't know a lot about this. But um, if the recent judgments from the Supreme Court have been anything to go by, they're going to try and be uh, representative as a as a nonpartisan body as much as possible. And um, so, as we know, or some people may not know, um, they recently ruled against Trump in a few cases, including about his tax returns a few months ago. So it's not like they're in his pocket, so to speak. They are still an independent body. They're one of the you know, the three arms of, of government, which is meant to be distinct from uh, the president himself. So I wouldn't, it's not a foregone conclusion that that would happen if this was the case. This, uh, people sort of discussing this, I think, is also more indicative of uh, this um, fear that we have after 2016 of, of, uh, of something going wrong. This is very much a worst case scenario. I'm not saying that it can't happen, um, but... Uh, I wouldn't have it at the front of my mind, that's for sure. I feel like when I realized that Donald Trump could win was when your mom said something to us along the lines of, but it would be pretty interesting if he did. Like, I know he won't, but imagine if he did. Famous political Nostradamus. Shout out to May. Yeah, love you, May. But it was, I was like, oh my God, enough people will be curious. Because I think when things are going well, people just get bored. It's like a nihilistic human mm. trait. And now he's been in for four years and it's just not interesting anymore. And it's not fun or funny or whatever. It's just sad and depressing. Yeah, I think we can play this game with all sorts of reasons, right? You know, uh, people wanted to just see what would happen. Uh, people didn't want to vote for Hillary Clinton. Everyone for all thinks sorts of Hillary reasons. Clinton's a pedophile. Yeah, everyone. Yeah, I don't know if we should go on the record about that, but uh, you know, no, might, might end up think... killed. <laughs> yes. Shut up! Hitman come to our door. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, people genuinely think that as well. Yeah, I mean, well, I'm not gonna. Let's not get into like the the veracity of people's uh, intelligence or in, in the. I mean, besides the point. Look. Um, there are a multitude of different things that we could point out and say why he was maybe a more attractive candidate in 2016 than in 2020. But I think um, the fundamental thing that guides us is that we've had this unprecedented pandemic and the management of that pandemic has been the defining moment of any person in political office at, at this current point in time. I think they would all agree. And you, we only need to look across the ditch right, in New Zealand at a political leader who has done an excellent job of managing the pandemic and was rewarded in some sense electorally with a with a majority in the in the house which is which is you know unprecedented right or the first time i don't know new zealand politics very well but as i understand it was the first time it happened in a while yeah um that's not to say that the opposite won't occur in the united states right it's un- i can't see a candidate who only just won an election in 2016 consolidating his support after having completely mismanaged the coronavirus pandemic 
completely. And it's and on top of that, it's spiking again in the US at the worst possible time, which is right now. And this sort of a uh, leads into this other. I mean, I don't know if we should discuss this, but um, a lot of Democrats have voted already. Yeah. Early and by mail. A lot of Republicans are planning to vote on Election Day. That opens them, that exposes them to the risk of basically putting all their eggs in one basket, which is Election Day. So if there's something wrong on Election Day, if the coronavirus is very bad and people are not willing to go out and vote and mingle with people um, being the primary concern, then it's likely that the Republican vote will be depressed because they haven't been voting early or by mail as much as Democrats have. Nowhere near as, nowhere near as much, actually. Mm. So they're exposing themselves to that risk as well. That's another thing that sort of adds to this thesis that it's not clear that he's uh, in a comfortable position. He's not. I mean, he's... It seems like even the Republicans are, are turning on him. Not yet. Um, not yet. I think if he loses, you will see the Republican Party, if he starts making noises in the direction of, oh, well, I'm going to contest this, I think you'll start seeing people coming out and saying, no, you need to leave. Do you think people will be excited when he's kicked out? It feels like people are just too so down at the moment. I don't even know if people will feel excited about it. I also think people aren't really excited about Biden, so it doesn't feel like a it's not going to feel like a super satisfying victory. No, but I th- you know, it's a, it's in some sense an important This is I just a fact of cry. life, right? Yeah, I think I'll cry too. It's just a fact of life, right? That you don't always get exactly the outcome that you want. We're all adults and we're all aware of that. And look, Joe Biden isn't top of anyone's list, I think, for the next president of the United States. But he's a side of a lot better than the absolute decrepit, <laughs> uh, disgusting excuse for a human that we have in there currently. <laughs> okay. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, everyone. Here's the deal. My name's Joe Biden. <laughs> and I got hairy legs. No, I can't say that. <laughs> Maybe we can put that in so people know what you're talking about. What, the hairy legs? Yeah. Uh, no, don't do that. <laughs> I don't want to harm his prospects. Are you going to stop recording? Yeah. Enjoy cutting that down. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.